Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. I'll tell you, we've been answering a lot of questions here at Connect Church. We, we are in the middle of a series called We Are Connect Church, where we are answering sort of the why behind the what of what makes us Connect Church. We talked about several things. We talked about uh, why church, right? Why serve? Why do we sing? Uh, why this book? We talked about that. Why spend time with God daily? We talked about that. And today we answer a question that uh, I'm pretty incredibly excited to answer. Why the gospel of Jesus Christ? Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Why the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know what's interesting about my opportunity to answer that question for you guys today? Is Pastor Anthony is with his family in, uh, in Disney World today with his little girls being dad and being husband and getting a little bit of time away, which is awesome and needed for them. And uh, yeah, give him a hand in case he's watching. Let him, let's uh, let him know that we love him because we do. And uh, so it's a good thing. Uh, with that being said, I get the opportunity to share with you guys why the gospel. And uh, it's interesting because any preacher ought to, be get, ought to be able to get excited about answering that question, right? Like if you were to hand out a preacher's sermon and say, hey, we need you to answer why the gospel, I'd be like, I've already got it. You know, I've got 55 sermons on why, why the gospel. But it's also, it comes with a little bit of weight. And not, not, not going to over-spiritualize this, the weight's much different. Because I don't know a more controversial topic than why the gospel, too. It's an exciting topic. Man, it brings life. It's exciting for me to talk about it. But it's a controversial subject. It is a subject automatically where people have unbelievable amounts of opinions and different things about when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I didn't know today how I could appropriately and sort of respectfully answer the questions we have when it comes to why the gospel without first laying some foundation for us about this subject. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go almost from creation to the gospel, not bouncing through the whole Old Testament and New Testament, but through some very key points that really frame up the answer to the question for us. And if you're here and you say, man, I've been a believer for years and years, or maybe you're a new believer, and you wonder to yourself, not only why the gospel, but what should compel me to share, and what do I share, and what do I need to know? How do I do it? We want to answer those questions for you today so that when you leave here, you know that you're confident, that you're ready to be bold in your faith, but also that you know. You know why you believe what you believe. You know, some of the basics when it comes to the gospel, to be able to say, hey, if somebody was to ask me what makes this different, that we could automatically give a response to that. So that's my goal today in the time that we have. And uh, we're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture and answering several things. And even at the end, we're going to do a little bit of uh, just a real quick bit of training. And I wouldn't even call it training, but I'm going to give you just some pointers if you were to say, hey, I'm ready. But I just like, how do I start a conversation about the gospel with somebody that I know? We're going to even answer that uh, today as well, all right? So let me pray for us real quick. I want to pray as we open up God's word, and then, uh, and then after that, we will, um, we will dive right into it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just a, uh, a day and time of worship. God, of excitement for us as we get to sing and be together, and even on Time Change Sunday to wake up and come here and worship your name. Father, you're worthy. But God, we want to be bold believers, Father. We want to be confident believers. God, we want to know that we have the answers we need to have so that when people ask us about the hope we have in you, that we can provide an appropriate answer. But God, we know we don't need everything. We just need faith, and we need you. So God, reveal that to us in this time. God, may this be a faith building moment, a faith building service today as we dive into your word. And it's in Jesus's name that we pray. Amen. You know, Christians say uh, funny things sometimes. You ever notice that? 
You ever found yourself saying something and you're like, why do I say that? Why does that come out of my mouth, you know? I was a youth pastor for, uh, from the time I was 18 to 30. I'm 31 now, old age, my hair's receding. I get a haircut now, and it's like an adventure. I get to see how much more my forehead has grown. You know, like it's really exciting. And uh, the more she compliments me, the bigger tips she gets. You know, it's pretty, but, uh, but I'm old. I'm 31 years old. Right? I started when I was 18 in youth ministry. I've been a youth pastor here in East Tennessee. I was a youth pastor in five years from Nashville, I was a youth pastor in Nashville, and, and we deal with a lot of really complex situations in youth ministry, you know, real deep questions like, hey, Justin, you're married. What do I do to ask this girl out? Because, you know, when you're a youth pastor, you are also a dating expert. I've been, I've been all those things, right? And so I would tell them all kinds of stories about how I approached uh, my wife. And really, truth be told, I, uh, I, uh, it's one of those weird things Christians say, too. Right? I pursued my wife. What's that? That's like... Okay, you know, but no, I mean, like, I was persistent until she sort of gave in and uh, went on a date with me. I don't really tell that side of the story, but uh, he asked me, he said, what do I do? I was like, man, listen, you don't ever know unless you ask. I mean, you got to get bold, you know what I mean? Like, go up to her. She probably thinks you're, you don't want to be in the friend zone too long. Pop the question. Get this girl on a date. You know, we can get this done. If you need me there, I'll, be, I'll support you as a youth pastor, you know. So he does this. This young man, he works up all the steam that he's got, you know, steam he gets there. He's, he's confident this is the day. He's probably written out on a note everything he's going to say, you know, check yes, all those things, right? Like he's going through in his head, this is what's going to happen. And he goes up and asks her if she would uh, go on a date with him. And she tells him, very spiritual, she's a golly young lady, wonderful young lady. But she tells him, she says, uh, no. But uh, because I prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit told me no. And this kid came back, I know, right awkward. And he said, hey, Pastor Justin, can I, uh, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, man, you can ask me anything. He's like, how many other young men do you know that not only got turned down by a girl, but also got rejected by part of the Trinity? You know? I was like, you're the only one. You know? Like you're t- I've got no words, you know? To my knowledge, he's still single. But... Uh, uh, been a real life-changing moment for him. No, Christians say some crazy things. And here's the truth. If you were to catch me in a moment, I like to have answers. I don't like not to have answers, if I'm honest with you all. It makes me uncomfortable. And I've, I've lived my life in a way, my wife could vouch for this, that if you were to ask me, I don't know, I'm going to tell you something so believable that you think it's right. You know, like I'm, I'm confidently going to have an answer. And when I don't have an answer, it sort of messes with me a little bit and could even keep me from doing that which I know I need to do. And oftentimes if people ask me something I don't know, if I'm not careful, I can give an answer that's just way off, you know? It's almost weird, like that response. She should have just said no. It's very easy. I don't like you that way. Not I don't like you and God doesn't either. You know, like these are, these are things we don't approach. You got to be careful in what we say as believers. You know, the gospel is one of those things. The, the importance of knowing what we're going to talk about today is so when we're asked, not that we have all the answers, but so that we have a foundation, to tell people, no, it's not that way. Here's the beauty of the gospel and the joy of the gospel and the invitation of the gospel and the word of God. These basic things of our faith so that when we are approached or that when we approach somebody else, we've got the foundations covered. Not so that we can answer every deep theological question they have, but so that we can give a response to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And the very first thing I would tell you guys, one of the most awkward things I hear believers say all the time, and, and I'm just full confession, I've said this. And I've said it a number of times over the years, a, a lot of times. And really, it wasn't until studying for this message that I went back in my life and I thought, man, how many times have I said that and really not even thought about it? 
It's almost just second nature for this to come out of my mouth. And so it's not, when I say this, if that's you, don't feel bad. I'm telling you, the majority of us, I would say almost all of us have been in this boat at some times. But somebody comes up to you and they say, hey, Justin, 60 seconds, can you tell me the gospel? If I was to pull you aside this morning and say, hey, take one minute and explain to me the gospel of Jesus Christ, at some point, most people will say, and I know it because I've said it, and I know it because in training and in church training, I've heard it over and over and over again. And here's what we say. We say, man, we go through creation, we talk about the fall of man, we talk about sin, and then we say, God sent his son Jesus because he had to because of our sin. Can I tell you guys something? God didn't have to send Jesus. You see, the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if we're not careful, can really send us down a wrong path, is this idea that God had to send his son. It's not true. The beauty of the gospel and what we're going to expose in our time together this morning is that God chose to send his son. He didn't have to send his son. God wasn't bound by some outside law bigger than himself that determined what he had to do. God chose to do it. And that fact changes the game for us. That fact lays the foundation for us. And what I hope to show you, it even takes pressure away from us when it comes to sharing our faith. And here's why. There is no painless way to share the gospel. There's no painless way to share. You ever notice that? What we've done, I think in an attempt to translate the gospel sometimes, we end up making it, and it is, listen, we'll talk about the invitation of the gospel, and we're going to go through this in detail this morning, but if we're not careful, we can talk about it in such a way where it's so easy, even in a way that Jesus didn't make it easy. When the rich young ruler would come to him, and say, I'm ready. I followed all the law. I've done all these things, and I'm ready to come to you. And what did he do? He said, no, no, go back and sell all your possessions. Show me your heart, and then you can follow me. And he couldn't do it. Almost in a way Jesus never intended to be, we found ourselves making the gospel. I think, for me personally, we find ourselves making the gospel in a way that just makes it to have an easier conversation. Painless. Can I tell you all something? The reason the gospel is so controversial is it's not Painless. There's no easy way to tell somebody that because of our sin, we are living in the wrath of God. That doesn't sound fun, you know? It doesn't sound fun to tell somebody, hey, if, you're, if you don't turn your life over to Jesus Christ, if you don't trust him for your salvation and you leave this earth, you're going to go to a place called hell forever. A place of torment and separation from God for all of eternity. Nobody wants to have that conversation. That's not friendly, is it? It's hard to take a guy to lunch or a girl to lunch and to sit down and say, I want to buy this, this coffee for you today or this breakfast for you today to let you know that you're going to split hell wide open. It's uncomfortable. It's incredibly uncomfortable. But yet sometimes we find ourselves, in, in, in the, I think, in the desire to, to shy away from the uncomfortableness by not facing the reality, the pain of the gospel. And here's the reason I started this way in this message this morning. Because with the gospel, the bad news is the good news. And there is absolutely zero way, no way, to really embrace and understand the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ until you face the reality that because of our sin and separation from God, that we live in the wrath of God separated from him until we trust Jesus with our heart and soul. And so the goal is this, not to discourage you at the beginning, right? That's one way to open a message, talk about the wrath of God when it comes to the gospel. It's not my goal at all. The goal is this, let's face the fact 
the painfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that the painfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ carries us, carries us to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to catch this real quick. Acts 2.36, Peter's talking, he says it like this. If you, I want you to see how he shares the gospel. He says in Acts 2.36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, I read that pretty nice, right? But can you think about who he was talking to? He's talking to Jewish people. Here's what he's telling them. Catch that last part. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Here's what he's not doing. Peter is not judging them and condemning them to murder. That's not what he's doing. Here's what he is doing. He's telling people that they had 1,500 years of history and writings and prophecy, and they missed it, and they crucified their own Messiah. Can you imagine that? How hard of a conversation is that one? Like, can I be honest with you all, since Pastor Anthony's in Disney? That doesn't make a good Disney movie, you know? The Lion King isn't quite the Lion King if we crucify Simba. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't quite work that way when we prop that young lion up as king. Here's, here's the truth. He looked at them and said, hey, you've got all this history, all these things for you, and you missed it. You missed the Messiah. Not only did you miss it, you hung him on a tree. You did that. You see, Peter understood when talking to people with the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that it's not an invitation to be a jerk. It's not an invitation to be offensive, but it's a requirement in a loving way to tell people, hey, because of our sin and what we've done, we are separated from God. We did that. We did that. And the bad news in a relationship with Jesus Christ leads to the good news. Catch this. This is not an invitation to determine your effectiveness by your offensiveness. It is an invitation to understand how God took the bad news and made it the good news. You catch that? It's not an invitation for us to leave the world and determine how effective we are as believers by being constantly offensive to every person we come across, but it is an invitation to us to dive into the word of God and to say, hey, God, how did you do it? Help me understand so that I can be effective, so that I can be bold, so that I can be influential, how you took the bad news and made it the good news. I love it. Because here's the truth of the gospel, guys. God didn't send Jesus because he had to. He chose to send Jesus because he loves you. You see why I said that at the beginning? You can't get there without the hard truth. God didn't send Jesus because he had to. He sent him because he chose to because he loves you. That's one of the most freeing thoughts in all the world. That there's not some outside law or outside principle that made God do what he did, that he chose to do it for me and chose to do it for you. That's the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? I, I want to dive in if you can, and if you're following along, I'm going to throw the passages that I talk about and the ones I mentioned on the screen. But if you're marking stuff or writing, you can, uh, I'll, I'll tell where they are. But I'm going to start at the very beginning of creation. Can I tell you guys a little secret? Creation for me, Genesis 1, is, is one of my top five favorite books of the Bible. And it's not because I heard it all my life in children's school. It's because in the very first chapter in Genesis, you can learn so much about human nature, about your image and how God made you, about his plan for creation. It all lies right there in front of us, beginning in Genesis 1. And it blows my mind that in just a few passages, we can learn so much about the God who created us. And so when we talk about the gospel, I don't know any way 
to talk about it, any way to do it other than to start at creation. Can I tell you guys what you learned? And this is a side note. If you're taking, you say, why do you love the book of Genesis so much? I'll tell you this, and I think our students have heard it, and they're going to hear it 50 times because it's one of those things that is, is somebody leaves Connect Church or leaves our student ministry or leaves a Connect group that I want everybody to know and understand. Then the first few verses of Genesis, you can actually see the creative order that God put in place. And it's right there before us. You know, we know, we know some things, right, that, uh, that we're talking about, uh, you can go to Genesis 1, that in the beginning there was the word, we know all those things, that God created things and he said they were good. And we, we hear this. You know what he also said? He said the same three things every time he also created something. He spoke it into existence. He saw that it was good and he separated it accordingly. Do you know that? If you, if you have time this week, I challenge you, go to Genesis and look in Genesis chapter 1 at the creative order, and you'll see it every time. God speaks it into existence. And catch me this morning, if you struggle with your self-image, that thought alone implies that the God who created this universe, when he created you, he thought about it. Our God is a God of order, and he didn't speak you into existence and think, oh man, didn't see that coming. You know what I mean? He didn't create Justin and go, man, wish I would have put some smaller hips. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not what he did with me. He knew exactly what he was creating when he created it every single time. The God who created this universe thought about you, spoke you into existence, spoke this world into existence, saw it, said that it was good, and it separated accordingly. And, and here's what happens. We can look out in creation. We can certainly do that in the month of February where it rained every single day of the month. And you can even see with your eyes the very creative order of God. How rain falls and the ground gets wet and how the wind blows and the trees move in a basic sense, right? You can go a lot deeper than that and you can see how creation itself screams to us that there's a creator. How it operates and works together in evidence of our God. What's interesting, and you all know this, is that it was different when God created us. Certainly he spoke us and saw that we were good and separate us, but he did a little bit differently, didn't he? He created all of us, every single one of us, in his image. That's one of the foundations to learning to share the gospel effectively. Every person, every individual, made in the image of God. Isn't that crazy? Spoke it, saw it, saw that it was good, separated it, and then he got to us and said, hey, you're not part of that creative order. You're created in my image. You're separately. That's why you can't find your purpose in creation. That's why you find your purpose in a relationship with Jesus Christ, because we are made in the image of God. You learn all of that in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. God created the world, all that is in it, and made people in his image. God made us, by the way, to live in righteous pleasure. Because we chose sin, we now face God's righteous wrath and judgment. He created us, see in Genesis, to live exactly how he designed it, right with him, right with each other, right with creation, made in his image, in perfect relationship with him. And we chose in our sin, wrath and judgment. Bad news is good news, right? Also seen in Genesis chapter 1. Can I tell you all something? Can I ask you to do something for me? As we talk about the gospel, and if you're wondering this morning, how do we share? What do I do? What do I need to learn? I just want you to make me one promise. Don't ever apologize for the wrath of God. Don't ever apologize for it. It's difficult. It's hard in our life. 
It's hard in this world. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't put his name on places. I don't know if it belongs. I don't, I'm not asking you. I'm just asking you. Don't ever apologize for the wrath of God. And here's why. Both the pleasures God gives us and the wrath God delivers are both done in respect to his holiness. Both of them. They're both part of his character. They are both part of God. And as believers, we don't have to, not for one second, apologize that the God who created this universe, created this world, put it all into existence, created us in his image to have a perfect relationship with him, that when we sinned against him, separated ourselves from him, invited that wrath into our life, that somehow we need to apologize to people for that. We don't. And hear me, we cannot get people effectively and consistently to the cross of Christ by apologizing for the wrath of God. We can't do it. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's the reason I'm starting. It's the hardest stinking part. It's the hardest thing to understand, but we can't apologize for it. It's there for a reason, both done in respect to God's holiness. I've said it, I'll say it again. When we don't embrace the bad news, then we tend to change the good news. Remember what I said, did God have to send Jesus? No, he chose to because he loves us. We embrace the bad news so that we can find the good news. Creation and the fall help us understand this, guys, that God didn't send Jesus because he had to, because he did it because he loves us, and that leads us to key points of the gospel. Number one, we talk about this word in, in church life all the time, and that's redemption. We talk about this word redemption. I'm going to mention a verse that most of us know by heart every time. And I said this in our prayer group this morning for our volunteers. Let me say it to you guys too. If you're here and you go, man, are you going to be mentioned verses we all know? Probably in a lot of our time. But can I encourage you in something if you're a believer? If you've heard this 45,000 times, it ought to be even more joyful on the 45,000 and first time to take some time and just simply remember what God has done on our behalf as believers when he didn't have to is a moment of worship and respect for us to turn to the Father and just simply say, thank you. God, I don't want to ever be ashamed of it. I don't want to be scared of it. I want to be bold with it. I want to be proud of it. I want to be used by it. So help me get it. Remind me of it every day that I live, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says it like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only Son so that whosoever or whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You ever read a, learned a verse one way in its different translations? I, I grew up in an uh, a, a, a independent Baptist church, and we only used the KJV. And I have preached John 3, 16, 45 times and mixed the verse up every time. And somebody's like, I don't think that was it. I was like, no, it's it, it's just my version. You know what I mean? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, my favorite word, but have everlasting life. I love that. But everlasting life. And you say, what do you talk about, Justin, when you talk about redemption? Here's what I mean. God did not leave us in our fallen state. He would redeem us his creation, by the perfect, sinless blood of Christ. And John 3.16 teaches us the ultimate definition of redemption, that all who believe will be saved. Now let me catch one part for you, because this is where we tend to make, like to go towards the good news, and we can leave a couple words up that are very, very important. And I'm, I'm just going to say it this way. For God so loved the world, they give his one and only son, so that whosoever would believe. It changes that a little bit differently, right? This is not an invitation to universalism. This is exactly what God has done for every person who would believe. And so it begs the question from us, if you haven't believed, would you, right? 
That's what it takes. And you've heard messages and ones I tend, wanted to teach this morning where I could walk you through and say, hey, man, here's the beauty of the gospel. You're a whosoever. And you are. You are a whosoever. But you're a whosoever because you believed. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a condition, and that condition is belief. And if you were here last week, you guys remember Pastor Anthony walking out at the very end of the service, the, uh, the wheelbarrow? Remember that? He talked about the guy on the tightrope. It's my favorite illustration because it's a perfect illustration of belief. That moment in time where we are called out by God and said, hey, if, you're, if you really are, if you really are full of belief, then step out from the audience, climb in this bucket, let me walk you across that tightrope. Man, what a great image for us to say, hey, belief at some point in our life goes from head knowledge and desire to trust and faith and obedience. And that's what scripture says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is, guys, the essence of redemption. And by the way, from the creation to the, to the fall to the redemption all leads to the book of Revelation where it culminates, where it all comes together, where you can see in Scripture some beautiful ideas and things are going to happen. I'm going to mention one of my favorite things here in a second, but I would say it like this. Romans 8 teaches us that creation will be set free from bondage. Creation will be set free from bondage. Catch this, Romans 8, 21. But the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Isn't that amazing? That you can see in Revelation that things are restored exactly the way God always intended it to be. Believers at the throne of God, worshiping God, creation in order again, exactly by design and desire of the God we serve. That's where it comes to. You know one of my favorite things in Revelation? I'm going to pop up the verse this morning, but I'm just going to mention it. It's where you can read about people being gathered at the throne. You know what Scripture says? It says there that every tongue will be represented. We read elsewhere in Scripture in the New Testament where it talks about before Christ will come, the gospel will be taken to all the ends of the earth. You know? That every tribe and every tongue will have access and hear it. And there's a variety of ways I think we're getting really close to seeing those things happen. Some, some incredible thought. But here's what's even more beautiful than that. Than Revelation, it not only gives evidence that every tribe and tongue will have access to the gospel, but that somebody will be represented from every tribe and tongue. Did you get that? Then not just will they hear it, but someone will receive it. Someone will believe. Gathered around the throne of God, every tribe, every tongue, every nation that's ever existed to the glory of God. What a thought. What a thought. That there at his throne, that might happen. That's what it's all about. Creation to the fall, to redemption in Jesus Christ, to the book of Revelation where we can see glimpses of the fact we're all going to be gathered around the throne of God. Those of us who believe. Can I ask you a question, guys? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? Yeah, I know, I know several of us do. That's the basics. If you were to say, hey, as we talk about the gospel, what did you just share with us? That's the foundation to our faith. A 10, 15-minute version glimpse into what it is to be a Christian. And not by religion, and not by just association, but a believer, a follower of Christ. That's the belief we have. It makes us unique. It makes us different. It makes us a little weird. But it makes us his. That's the beauty of it. And if we believe that, let me challenge you guys in this, then what we're going to talk about in the next few moments is of incredible importance. 
Because if every tribe and every nation and every tongue is going to have an individual represented around the throne of God, then we've got to get to work. And we can't be afraid or timid. We've got to be bold in our faith and our belief to say, hey, God, I'll go wherever you tell me to go, do whatever you want me to do, talk to whoever you want me to talk to in order to bring them into a relationship with you. I'm not scared because you've got this. I'm not scared because you've got me. You see, that's the attitude of a believer that partnered with technology and the providence of God. In a world today, we could see the gospel expanded to every end of this globe. What an incredible thought. So what's that mean for us, guys? This is what I'm dive into this morning. How can we be effective in sharing the story? How can we be effective in sharing the story? I will tell you guys this. There are three questions we should seek to answer when sharing the gospel. I'm going to go over here in just a moment. And before we dive there, let me say this. It is important not to forget the individual when sharing the story, right? I mentioned at the beginning that if we're not careful when we're translating the gospel for somebody, that we can oftentimes take out the, the painful part in order to get to the good news. But we've got to remember the bad news to help them understand the good news. All those things are right and true. But the goal for all of us is to share with the individual in such a way that they understand how much God cares for them, loves them, adores them, sent his son for them. We've got to make it personal just for them. That's the goal in what we do. Don't ever forget the individual when it comes to sharing the gospel. And there are three questions I would tell you that we need to answer every time, somewhere in our stories when talking to people about the gospel. Number one, who needs to be saved? All need to be saved, right? Who needs to be saved? Every person. It is the desire of God that every person would come into repentance and faith in a relationship with him. That's God's heart. And so if the question is, who needs him? Everyone needs him. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute in a way that I'm afraid is going to offend. All, it offends me when I think about it, but the more you think about it, the more right it becomes. But all people need the gospel. Who needs it? All people. Number two, who saves? God saves. Don't forget that. It's not by works. It's, it's, it's not by thought, it's not by brilliance, it's not by popularity, it's by God that we are saved. So who needs to be saved? All need to be saved. How do they, how do they get saved? God saves. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God does the work of redemption in a believer's life. Be free by that, by the way. Be free by that. I don't have to have all the answers. And thank God that I can't carry you or get you by any other way than him into heaven. I could not imagine carrying the weight of that. He takes care of that for us. All that I've got to do, all that you've got to do is be faithful. And God will do the work. Who needs to be saved? All need to be saved. Who saves? God saves. Who can be saved? Catch this, guys. Anyone who believes. Who can be saved? Anyone who believes. I don't think in our culture we have really grasped what I just said because we're living now in a time where people talk about loving people excessively. And I, I genuinely believe that our culture thinks, that we think, that if it comes down to loving people, that we are leading the world in how to love people. And can I tell you something? We haven't even begun to grasp it in the way that God designed it. And here's why. Here's why. When we say that all people need to be saved, when we say that anyone who believes can be saved, that means this. That God died and sent his son to save the murderer as much as to save you 
or me. You say, well, that's not that big a deal. Okay, let me say it like this. That God sent his son to a cross to die for the terrorist who believes as much as the Tennessean who believes. A little different, isn't it? Can I be honest with you all? That's a really hard statement to make. If I'm honest with you. you. You come against my family, I don't want to ever see you again. You come against my nation, I don't. We'll fight. I, I believe in that. We'll protect our own. We'll take care of our own. Did God die for everyone in this world just the same as he died for us? Or is, or, or is our nation, our state, our church, are we the only people God died for? See, it's very difficult to claim we love people when harbored in our hearts is a barrier that says, I'm only going to share with a certain person. I couldn't invite that person. If you knew what they did, if you knew what they said, if you, had, if you knew their past, and couldn't that be said about all of us today? See, God saves. Everyone needs it. Anyone who believes. What a thought this morning. That may initially be an offensive thought, but ultimately, guys, it leaves me, it leaves you without excuse. You don't have to have, catch this, all the answers to be able to relate or sympathize with every person to be able to lead them to Jesus. That's what that means. I don't have to get you, know you, come from the same nation as you, have the same background as you. I don't have to have any of that to tell you, listen, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need it. You need it like I need it. You need it like every person needs it. And God has made it available to you. What an amazing thought. It takes the pressure, the excuse from all of us to simply say, man, be faithful. Let God do the work. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to relate. It's great if you can. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But ultimately, be faithful. Remember this. There's not a person in our world that our Savior doesn't sympathize with. Not a person. Not a single individual that he can't sympathize with. If you're here today and you say, man, I had a, I had a friend walk out of me. I had a spouse walk out of me. I was abandoned by everybody. Well, so was Jesus. He watched his disciples in their first real moment of test lie and run and hide. You know who was surrounded around the cross? The majority of them? women. His mom, his friends, you know, that'll never change. My son can drive me crazy. His mama always love him. That'll never change. Isn't that amazing? You know who I call when I have a bad day? My mama. You know who I need when things get really bad? I need my mama. That's who was around the cross of Christ too when everybody else abandoned him. See, Jesus can sympathize with you. You deal with stress and anxiety and fear. Look, Jesus went to a cross not only to be crucified, but to become the sins of the world. Such anxiety that it caused his skin to bleed. Jesus can sympathize with you. There's not a place you've gone or a place you're going to go as a believer that he's not gone before you. Our Savior can sympathize with you. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, can you know something from me to you? You have a sympathizing potential Savior. He gets you, made you, loves you, adores you, 
and wants a relationship with you. You can't find that anywhere else in this world. That's what makes him so good. So don't miss that this morning. We have a sympathizing Savior. So how is someone to be saved, right? That's the big question. We know some of these answers. How is someone to be saved? Number, I would tell you two things. One, believe. Number two, confess. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Be very cautious and very well aware of anybody or anything that adds anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ other than those two things right there. Belief to the point that you're willing to step out and follow Jesus. And that's exactly what confession is. Believe and confess. Believe and confess. Hear me, church. Believe and confess. That's all it takes. The invitation of Jesus Christ was to any person who would believe that was willing to believe and confess. And Scripture tells us over and over and over and over again that when we do that, you will be saved. That's all it takes. So you ask yourself, well, Justin, how do we share the gospel to the ends of the earth? What do they have to know? I don't have all the answers to that question. I'll know this, that if they'll believe and they'll confess, they'll be saved. Because God does the work. I don't set the requirements. God set the requirements. I sinned against him. He redeemed me. And he tells me that the redemption that was offered to me is offered to you and offered to any person who would believe. Believe and confess. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can I tell you when I was saved? It's a little boy. Mom and dad's bedroom. I don't remember very much about it, to be honest with you. It sort of caused problems for me in, in parts of my life. You, you, I know some of you guys will sympathize with that, you know. Well, you know you made a decision, but you don't remember the details. And so when you're not living in your best life, right, when you're not perfectly in line with God's will, what tends to happen? You start to doubt, and the very place that he gets attacked is that place. Did you really mean it, Justin? Did you say the right words? Did you really understand, son? Or was it just all because you thought that's what you needed to do because your mom and dad were believers or your pastor told you? Or did, did, you, did you really get it when you were that young? I struggled with that question for years and years. We mentioned this statement before. I'll mention it again, but there's a saying that great preacher said. I think it was D.L. Moody who said it. He said it this way. He said, it's a scheme of Satan to make one think that a child cannot understand religion. Why would God, why would Jesus have used them as the standard of faith if he knew they could not understand his words? I don't have many unbelievably like deep. I was saying, man, this is a deep spiritual moment in my life. But I can tell you what happened when I heard that statement. I could tell you where I was in Panama City. I could take you to where I was in the room and the seat I was sitting in. It's the most freeing thought. And, and, and in all seriousness, memories that I did not have prior, that, that were like a block in my mind because of the doubt I was experiencing were released. In one statement to realize, hey, Justin, when you're doubting your salvation, it's because you're putting it all on you. Did you notice my questions? Were you old enough? Did you really believe? Did you say the right words? You see, that was the essence of the doubt of my salvation was it was all based on whether or not I did the right thing. And when you understand that your salvation was never about you, completed by God to bring you back to him, that which was lost because he chose to do that by the sending of his son because he loves you. 
and all doubt goes away because you're his. I could take you to my mom and dad's bedroom. The bed's positioned almost on the opposite side of the room. I could take you right where I was. I remember walking out of that room, walking down the hallway, a little boy, and telling my parents that I had just given my life to Christ. I think my dad was the one who prayed with me in there. I was baptized shortly after that at the small little church we were going to. I had the coolest stop my day of baptism. You know what my thought was? I had no idea how they kept their legs dry. The dude put on waders. You know what I mean? Anybody else have that? Like he got in the back and he was like, hey, I'll be out in a minute. And he put on fishing gear. And I was like, never knew. Thought it was a modern miracle. Guy goes in, baptizes somebody, comes out, pants completely dry. I remember that, right? Weird things from when I was a little kid. You know who I told you that? I mean, if what I told you is true, and listen, it is, then the gospel's for you. And if you've been coming to Connect Church for any reason, any reason whatsoever, and you've not trusted Jesus with your salvation, I'm not asking if you knew about him, if you believed in your head that he exists. I'm asking you if you have believed with your heart to the point that you have placed your trust in him for your salvation. And if you've been coming to Connect Church and you've never done that, can I invite you to do that today? Would you do that? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.